Welcome to Logos on Tap. I'm your host, Christian Lunday, and I'm here with my co-host, Derek Sessom. How are you doing, buddy? Hey, glad to be back. Glad to be back for another episode. Our thought of the day this time comes from Job 38.3. We're going to read from the King James Version. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Like a man. Like a man. Speaking of man. We're drinking this uh, Sonoran white chocolate ale. It's Tastes a, pretty good. It's got a monkey on it. He's very, he's got a zen thing on it. I was just telling Derek that it tastes like a cocoa bean got drunk and then showed up to work. And uh, it's a white chocolate ale, so. I mean, a I white like. privileged cocoa bean. I like, I like the beer. I frown on debauchery, but, uh, you know, we dig it. We do dig it. It's pretty good. So our next guest this week is a man who has decades of pastoral experience, entrepreneurial experience, and just so happens to be mi padre. His name's Dale Lunday. How are you doing, Dale? I'm doing good, bud. How about you? Doing good. It feels weird to call you Dale, so I'm just going to say dad. Yeah. <laughs> That's all good, man. Dale's not even Either his way. first name. <laughs> So, in in reference to our uh, thought of the day, we're going to be talking about leadership. Um, and the first question I have for you, Dad, how would you define leadership? Well, uh, so I, you know, when you sent that to me, and I, I was thinking about it, um, really to boil it down, leadership is basically helping others where get to where you all need to go. So as a leader, you're needing to go the same place you want your people to go. So leadership is about having ever getting everybody on the same page, on the same bus, if you will, and, and going to the same place together. So that's that's pretty much that's the way I would define it. Yes. Do you think it has different connotations, uh, giving given the area of life that you're in? For instance, uh, work, home life, church life, etc. Uh, yeah, it can. But uh, even, you know, like with your home life, you're all you're still trying to take your family someplace, you know, and you've got to get them on board with whatever's going. Um, so, you know, it's it's um, it is similar, but there are, of course, there are variations, whatever, especially with church. To, to me, church is a little at least the church that we're familiar with. Traditional church is different. But uh, you we all got to go the same place, so. Good point. So in terms of leadership, what are some general keys to being a good leader in the home, at work, and at church? So, you know, one of the things about home life, and and I guess, you know, the older you get or maybe the longer you're married or you have kids that grow up, <laughs> kind of like yourself. Hey, thank uh, you. The, you know, in reality is you, you may be trying to lead your home, but you don't own them. So as a good, you know, a good key that to keep in mind as the as the leader of your home, or whether you're the you know husband or wife or whatever it may be, a single parent, uh, even with your kids, you don't own them. You're you're leading them, but you can't own you because we oftentimes as a as a leader in our home, we with our kids, you know, it's basically they're my kids. Well, for a time, yes, but they have their own personalities, they have their own ambitions. Uh, even with your spouse, it's the same thing. They're a different person. 
even though you may be in sync together and in harmony, they are still a different person. So uh, keeping that in mind as a leader is that they, they have their own ideals, they have their own thoughts, and that if I'm going to lead, I have to re- recognize and respect that as, as, a, as a leader in my home and, and actually value that. So those are, that's one, you know, for the home part, I would say as a key, a general key, that's a big one. Uh, at work, um, you know, I, I, I've talked to you about this before, but the, uh, you know, where the scripture says, uh, make disciples of all nations and how um, that one author, and you hopefully you can help me remember which one it was, but uh, the author was saying of, of that one book, he was saying that, you know, if you take out the make and all, or of let's see so rather than say make disciples of all nations if you said disciple all nations so at work discipling as as a leader at work then i should to to disciple the people that i work with i am actually going to have to show christ-like behavior in everything that i do so that i am um expressing what it is to be a disciple and actually making making the people that follow me and that I'm their leader, I'm making them actually mimic those same behaviors of Christ-like behavior. So, you know, that's uh, that's a big key for work as, as a general key. And then uh, at church, um, and we'll talk about that again more in, you know, as we get on to this a little bit, but uh, church is more, as a leader, it's more about empowering and then coupling that with accountability. So, you know, it, 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 we think traditional church, we think we go to church, we listen to a sermon, we, you know, may, may or may not apply it to our lives, depending on the circumstance we're in. And, you know, as a leader in the church there, we should be empowering people to do what the gospel says and what, what the book tells us to do. And yet, and then also have some accountability there. So, there is that you know what did you do this week how did you mimic this this week how did you follow christ this week so there has to be there's that give and take in the relationship in a church it makes it more of a non-traditional atmosphere where you're you're giving the you're giving the examples from the gospel or the examples from scripture that you want people to know and and to help them grow in life but how are they using it are they using it so some type of accountability there, I think, is a big key for leadership inside inside the local church. Awesome. So I want to go through each of the keys uh, that you just mentioned and kind of expound upon them. Upon them. So the first one that you mentioned was basically to summon up autonomy, realizing that the other person is another person and not just an automaton that does whatever you say or does whatever you want them to, right. no questions asked. So can you expound on autonomy? Uh, especially when it comes to home life? Yeah. So I think I mentioned to you before, you know, um, and, and you personally from as a dad, so talking from a dad standpoint to, to my kids, um, you know, in, in your marriage, you, you get married, you get married young, you know, everything's awesome, everything's exciting, you're going along, you think, you know, man, things are great, my wife's awesome, everything's perfect, we're not going to have trouble. Yeah, <laughs> not true. Uh, you know, most everybody's going to have bumps in the road. And like I, like I mentioned to you before, plan for that. So as recognizing that your spouse even is, is their own person, even no, no matter how in sync you might be at the time, 
there's always going to be the ebbs and flows in a relationship. And you as being a part of the leadership in your home, along with your spouse, recognizing that they are their own person. What are they going through? What are they, you know, what's going on? What, how are they feeling? And planning ahead, watching for those things that might be saying, uh, ding, 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 there's something going on. <laughs> and rather they can, rather than thinking, my God, I don't know why she's having such problems with me. The alarm bell should be saying, okay, something's here. I planned for this. Uh, you know, this, I knew this would come. Okay, I need to step back and be the leader that my wife needs me to be to say, all right, what's, what's going on? How, how can I help? What are you feeling? You know, um, and I'm reminded of that old song um, about, uh, I like, do you like pina coladas and walking in the rain? And, and basically the gist of the song is that, you know, this guy, you know, he's getting tired of the same old routine with his, his woman and he checks the personals in the newspaper and he sees this one about, do you like pina coladas? And so he answers back, you know, I like pina coladas, but I got to meet you and, and sits at the restaurant and lo and behold, his woman walks through the door and she was the one that put the ad in the first place. <laughs> right, yeah. and, and then at the end of the song, he's like, I didn't know you liked that or walking in the rain or those kinds of things. And, and that's, you know, which is a good point. It's, you know, it's, you know, it's sad that we get that way, but it, it happens all too often because we don't know. And we just get set into a routine and we think everything's cool or even maybe for us, maybe things aren't cool. Maybe as a as a leader of our home, we're starting to realize, you know, I, I I'm I'm realizing more that I want my life to go this direction, and you know, when my wife and I got together, this is not the direction we were going to begin with, and and say, okay, you know, I I I need to communicate, I need to talk this through with my wife. She's my wife. She's she's part of this. She's part of this unity. I need to be able to discuss this with her. I need to be open and honest. And that's leadership. Leadership is oftentimes being open and, and even sometimes bearing your soul if you have to. Because you need to go the same direction. Or if there needs to be some change there, then then you are able to talk it through. Uh, and with your kids, you know, like like you guys. you Christian, you know this. Uh, and Derek, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I had five kids and every one of you guys was different. And so as a, as a, as a father, you try to lead your family as a whole unit, knowing that when you have five kids, you have five different distinct, crazy, awesome personalities. And they're all, they all need something different from me as a father, as a, as a leader in my home. And making time to recognize that and understand it and go with it. So that's, that's part of leadership. And you're going to, you know, if you're in the workplace, you're going to see the same thing. Uh, you, you've, you've got 20 people working for you. You've got 20 different personalities. You've got 20 people with their own ambitions, with their own plans for their life. Uh, some of them may be happy as a lark right where they're at. And others may be just mad that they have to work at that job and you're the leader. So they're going to take it out on you. And you have to be ready for that and plan for it as the leader. You have to know that's out there. Uh, you can't just think as a leader that everything's going to run smooth just because you're the leader. Or, or you came up with the scripture to, of the day to say, put your pants on like a man. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Although I would, I know many leaders would love to say that. <laughs> oh, certainly. 
Yeah, I mean, just going off of everything you're saying, um, I mean, with the aspect of leadership and 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 everything, um, how how much is how much has awareness really come into play? I mean, in, in the examples that you gave and kind of breaking them down in your experience um, of just having to adapt and increase your own awareness of, you know, those personalities, like you were saying, or just the different dynamics of, you know, the different spaces that you were kind of in charge of. Oh yeah. That's a great, that's a great question. So, you know, at home with the, with the kids, you know, it, it, and even with your spouse, you have to, if you're not aware, you're not going to lead well. Um, the more aware you are of personalities and, and ambitions even, and, and what hopes and dreams they may have. Um, you know, Patrick Lencioni had that book, and it, it's retitled now, but it used to be called Three Signs of a Miserable Job. And, and one of the signs of a miserable job, and I could say even a miserable home life, would be, and uh, anonymity they don't know me they don't know anything about me and you know you you're a parent to your kids and if your kids have these ambitions and and you're just trying to lead one direction or one way uh, your kids are like my dad doesn't even know me uh, i remember chesley one time had to do a project for school and uh it was a, a diorama <laughs> and i am i am not creative in the ways that he is and I'm thinking, we just got to get this done. You know, you've got to have it for school. It's due the next day. Uh, so here, do it this way. And, of course, you know, he tried to do it my way, and it was a disaster. Well, I go to work. His mom keeps him home from school that day, so he doesn't have to turn anything in, and they do it his way. And when it was done and he turned it in to the teacher, guess what? She kept that for several years to show other kids what it should look like and what dioramas could look like. So it, it's that kind of awareness that I'm talking about, knowing knowing your people like you ask. It's like you have to be aware of yourself. You know, me, I needed to be more self-aware in that instance to say, okay, I need to be able to turn him loose. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, and the same thing same thing in the church. That's what we run to run into in the church world is to say, you know, it, what, what often happens in a traditional church is we hang on to it. We want to hang on to the people. We, we're trying to grow mature Christians, and we want to act like they're not ready. Uh, but yet, that's not what we see with Jesus. So, you know, you, you get this totally different aspect when it comes to that. So being aware that different people, different personalities, but we're still going the same direction. I mean, going back off of what you were just saying, you know, also being aware of kind of your own self and where that lies in, and, you know, and maybe insecurity or anything, and say, hey, no, you actually are ready you don't have to have everything, you know, crossed or dotted that you can actually go and do and, and trust them. To oh, yeah. To do that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we if we looked at it real in reality, if we if we expected people people to be as mature and as um, as ready as as oftentimes is the what we get in a traditional church, they'd be 105 years old and you know, life's almost over and then maybe they've got it all together, Right. you yeah. know, and <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's not that way, you know, you're, you're, we're seeing a lot of that in the business world right now where, uh, you know, the, the work has changed So you know, the traditional way of many organizations has changed because of the pandemic. So they were forced to define what does work look like and can it be done from home? Uh, you know, so they had all this traditional way of doing things 
a lot of it went out the window just so businesses could stay viable. Right. So, and that takes the, that takes the whole awareness as a leader to say, how do I lead people as remotely? So, so that kind of plays into the next one that you basically said, which was be like Christ at work. Um, can you expound upon that one? Yeah. So, you know, ah, goodness gracious. So you're, that's a whole, that's a whole topic all its own, but uh, I'll try to break it down. Dim it down. Can, the way, be at Christ yeah, at work for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when we are at work, you know, faith, like in my job now, um, you know, we would, we would normally try to say, and, and again, I'm going to use the word traditional. Traditionally, we would say, man, you, you know, you show up for work and, and you do your job and you don't cuss and, you know, you do the straight lace thing and you're being a disciple for Christ. And, and I'm not discounting that, but oftentimes work is a lot grittier than that. It's a lot muddier. It's dirty. It's, it's a, you've got a hodgepodge of people you're dealing with a thousand different things at a time every day. And, you know, it's, it's about like the old thing of, you know, you can, you can be straight laced all you want until you hit your thumb with a hammer and then truth is going to come out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's work every day, you know? So rather, you know, for me, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> most, you know, some people would say, yeah, you know, I, I want to keep my mouth clean. Fine. That's, that's, that's fine with them. But, you know, most of the time, Christian, you know, this some, and when you're in construction, you're going to hear everything under the sun. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 that part of it, okay, that's awesome. But am I being honest? Am I being fair? Am I expressing to people that I value them as a human being, especially if I have to correct someone that's doing something wrong? Do I still treat them with dignity and respect? That's Christ-like behavior. That is where I'm saying, you know, here's the performance issue, but you as a person you are still made in the image of God, and I'm not going to touch that. The behavior may have to change. Your attitude may have to change. Your performance may have to improve. But you are valuable as a person, and I want to help any way I can. And I, my help for that somebody may be that, you know, this job may just not be, be for you. Uh, you know, I, I've said this a lot of times that Albert Einstein once said, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb trees, it'll think it's stupid its whole life. Not all, you know, there's a, there's a job here locally that is uh, extremely repetitive. Not for me. (laughs) I can tell you if I had to do that job every day, I get fired in two weeks. If I didn't quit first, because (laughs) repetitive and me just doesn't mix. So, but I'm self-aware enough to know, don't take that job. (laughs) I'm not going to put myself in that position. But we have people, they need a job. They, they've got to make money for their families, and they're not always thinking, is this a good fit for me? They're just thinking, the pay is good. I can figure out the rest later. Mm-hmm. Well, we may have to figure out that maybe that's not a good fit because it doesn't fit them as a person. It doesn't fit what their abilities and skills are and how God made them. My job as a leader might be to help them see and become more self-aware that that job may not be for them. So when you ask me, you know, trying to boil this down in a nutshell, how do I disciple at work? Is really, am I treating people like I want to be treated? 
if I'm in that job, if I were working at this repetitive job and I suck at it, I would want my boss to at least have the dignity to say, you know what, this job is probably not for you. Because, you know, I see that, man, if you, if we had to change on a dime, you could do it in a heartbeat. If you had to do the same thing every day for 10 years straight, you ain't going to make it. How can I help you find something else? So that's, that's in a nutshell. <laughs> in a nutshell, yeah, right. Okay, let's expound on empowering and accountability. Okay. So, and, you know, you had asked me uh, uh, traits from Jesus and developing other leaders, and it kind of goes right along the same thing with that. So if you look at Jesus' life, so he, uh, you know, when he's about 30 years old, from what I understand, that's about when his ministry kicked off. So at that point, he'd not had no disciples before then. Uh, he was doing carpentry work, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, wham, his ministry starts. And so he pulls in 12 people, 12 guys, 12 disciples, we call them. And they're help, they're going to help him with this ministry. He starts pouring his life into them. And you've got James and John, and what did what does the Bible say that they what what they what were they called? The Sons of Thunder. Sons of, yeah, so I think of that as Caleb and Chesley. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because I, I usually throw myself in there. You can, oh, ask Charlotte. Well, you can be one of them. I just I go off of when Chesley and, and Caleb were getting in an argument once, and they start fighting, and I tell them to go outside. Caleb's all bowed up, and he walks outside first. Chesley's right behind him, shoves him off the porch, and slams the door and locks him. When I think of the Sons of Thunder, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> so, and then, you know, you, you, you've got Peter, who we, we, everybody knows about Peter. I mean, there's books written about Peter like crazy. And then you've got, uh, you know, then you've got Nathaniel and several others. But, you know, those are, you, you see these, all of those crazy, strange personalities, and, but Jesus begins to pour into them anyway. And yet, you know, all he had was three years. And so scripture tells us later on, Jesus says, all right, you guys, you know, I need to go ahead. I'm planning to go this direction. You guys go ahead of me. And here's what you do. And, and so they, you know, they go do the, their thing and they come back and they tell Jesus, they're like, man, even, even the demons were subject to us in your name. So he empowered them to go do. And then, but then later on, you find these guys and they, come to Jesus one day and he's like, man, we heard, we heard this guy and he's preaching in your name, but he's not one of us at all. We told him, shut up. And what was Jesus's response? Leave him alone. If he's not against us, he's for us. We like to, we try to turn that around. If they're not for us, they're against us. So we're, you know, it's us against the world. That's not how Jesus thought. He thought if if, if this guy is talking good about me, leave him alone. Let him do his thing. And that was Jesus' idea of empowering. He empowered people that who knows what everyone else may have thought about them. So, and then you get later on into the story and you get the crucifixion. And all of a sudden, these 12 guys that Jesus had poured into that had done all these crazy things and James and John, you know, who's going to sit at your right hand and all of this stuff, you know. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, all right, I'm out of here all yours i'll see you on the other side basically what he does so i ain't leaving you alone you have the holy spirit just like the rest of us do but jesus was no longer right there and it was up to them 
you talk about empowerment. How much more does he, and the authority. So right with that empowerment, he gives them the authority to whatever happens from there, guess what? It's on those 12 guys right there. Whatever happened with the church, what everything that we have today, everything that happened from that moment on because of those 12 guys being empowered and given the authority, and they ran with it. And it's the same thing. You know, we, you have all of this craziness, but we, you know, again, traditionally we think, oh my gosh, I, I can't let this person, I can't turn this person loose because who knows what they're going to do. Yeah, you're right. We don't know, you know, <laughs> yeah. but it's not my story. It's God's story. It's his, it's his church. It's his thing. I'll do my best, but we all have a part to play. So bringing up, I guess, traits that we can pick up from Jesus in terms of developing other leaders. Empowering is a good one, uh, but accountability. So when you brought up Peter and you said, we all know about Peter, Peter denied Jesus three times. And then when, you know, uh, when, when Jesus kind of actually holds him accountable by calling him out yeah. three times, feed my sheep, yeah. you know, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Um, yeah. what would, what more would you have to say about accountability and how empowerment and accountability are two, two traits that we can actually pick up from Jesus when we develop others? That's good. That's good. So one of the things that we see in Jesus, uh, his ministry is that he, first of all, gave them the guidance. He, he laid down some direction. He, he showed them what it was to be, to lead. You know, he, he fed the people. He, he gave the people the scripture and he gave them the truth and he told them, this is what's coming. And he, so he showed them how it was supposed to be done. And then he gave them little assignments. So the good thing, the cool thing is, you know, the disciples weren't just turned loose when Jesus was crucified. They were, was turned over to them, but they still had those small assignments. Like I said, they had the assignment to go out and make the way before him. Uh, they went with him places and, and helped. They had to, you know, where the scripture says Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, guess who had to clean up afterwards? So they they collected all the scraps and the leftovers. So they had a good foundation of that empowerment. Right, yeah. <laughs> You're empowered to clean up. <laughs> so Jesus gave them that guidance. And then later on, like whenever they were sent out on these assignments, he gave them space to fail. So he sent them out on these assignments and they could have blown it and they did blow it. They did blow it time to time, but they had the space to blow it. And that's one of the coolest things I like about, you know, this story and, and all of the scripture, there was always room to fail. Um, we see that, you know, with David and Bathsheba and David failed miserably. And, and yet God, Sent, uh, sent the prophet to help bring David back to this straight path. They didn't just say, oh, you idiot, you failed, you're done. I'm done with you. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, that's the cool thing. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't leave us out there even when we fail, even when we fail miserably. I mean, we can think, my God, I've failed so bad, no one could could accept me at this point and god says oh yeah i can because he sees differently than we do and so with the disciples and us as leaders you know 
I've got a young man that worked for me that I promoted into a kind of a, a team lead position. And, and, uh, we were talking the other day and he's, he's done amazingly well. Um, and so, and he's a big, uh, John Maxwell fan. And so we, we get to talk a lot of stuff so we can talk the same language sometimes. But uh, I said something to him about how well he's doing. And his comment back was, well, you give me the space to do it. And, and you can see that with Jesus' ministry with his disciples. He gave them that space. And he gave them the space to succeed. So, so they had those opportunities to really go out there and duplicate what Jesus had taught them and do it the right way or do it the wrong way. And then there was that accountability when they came back and, you know, they're, bra- you know, they're kind of bragging because it's like, wow, even the demons, you know, were subject to us to your name. And he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. But then he comes right back to, you know, not losing sight of why we're doing what we're doing. You know, yes, they're subject, but so what? That's not the, not the big picture here. Big picture isn't the devil or anything that might happen there. The big picture is, we're, we're getting to the people. We're showing the people how to be, how to get back to God and follow him. And then lastly, which is a big part of that accountability is the authority. You know, uh, I don't know how many times I've heard in, in the workplace that um, people are aggravated because, well, I've, I've got the responsibility, but I don't have the authority. You know, and they hit, they're usually great pretty people pretty roughly whenever yeah, they want me to be responsible for this, but I don't have the authority to fix it when it's wrong. They tell me to leave it alone or just let it go. And Jesus was not that way. He gave his disciples that authority. So he says in that, you know, in that scripture I mentioned earlier about disciple all nations, he says, Jesus says, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. So here you go. I'm giving you the power to go and do so he passed that authority right on right on down to us. So we had the accountability, we had the responsibility, and we've got the authority to go along with it. And then we've got the space to fail on top of it. And that's why we know, you know, that's how you know the Holy Spirit is here with us because he brings that correction. He brings us right back, right back where we're supposed to be. When you feel that, you know, in your heart, like in your gut, that's saying, ah, darn it, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, that's the good thing to say. Okay, <laughs> Lord, I I did something wrong here. <laughs> Help me get back right again. Let me fix this. Right. So this one is, uh, I, I can understand it. So some people would say accountability is the hardest part about being a leader. I actually think the toughest component in being a leader is the sacrifice that it requires. Um, but what do you think is the toughest component in, in being a leader? So, you know, I, I thought about this, and especially when you're developing leaders, and, and I'll go back to what I've said before. I would say, to me, the, the very most difficult thing about being a leader, and especially when you have leaders under you, is giving them the space to fail. Because it's because what happens is if, if because of your level of accountability is here, theirs may be here, you know, there may be, theirs may be waist level, but your accountability is all the way up to over your head. If they fail, you're accountable. 
you know, you, you, you hold them accountable, but at the end of the day, somebody else is holding you accountable. And being able to give them that space to fail is hard. That's why a lot of people don't. Uh, they don't want their, their, their leaders under them to fail because then I have to clean up the mess, so to speak, or I'm accountable to my boss if they fail. And I am. But how else, how do you learn to ride a bicycle if you don't have the opportunity to fall? I mean, seriously, and, and get back on. You know, talking about Chesley again, one of the things, you know, when he played basketball as a kid, you know, I, I'd watch him time and time again. It'd break my heart all the time. But I would watch him get out there on the floor. He's given it everything he's got. He's trying to show he's a team player. He's, he's passing the ball like he should. He makes a single mistake. And what does the coach do? Pulls him off the Pulls him out. Plays 30 seconds. And, it's, you know, as a, as, as a developing whatever it might be, for him it was basketball for a, a young leader under you, whatever that position might be, um, and not given that opportunity to fail and, and fail and learn and grow and do it right the next time. That's, that's the toughest because me as, the, as their leader, I'm accountable for their failure. That makes a lot of sense. That's hard. <clears throat> it's, a tough, it's a tough space to be in. And yet, that's exactly what Jesus does every day, even now. Yeah, I think that's a you really know, weird. Many of us are. Go ahead, Derek. I'm sorry. No, I think I think that's a, I think it's a really good point. I mean, because um, the people that you're empowering under you, um, I mean, whatever word you'd want to use, ministry, whatever, whatever, um, is a, it it is a direct reflection off of you. So, how much how much how comfortable are you? just being able to allow them to then begin to start their own space where they could become leaders or, you know, start to um, just walk it out. I mean, I, I, Jesus sent out the disciples twice, you know? I mean, it was something where he gave them pretty clear instructions, but it wasn't like a full itinerary of, hey, you know, every single box you need to check. He gave them clear instructions of like, here's what you take, Here's what you say to these people. If they say this, you walk away. And then, like everything else, it was like it, you know, do yeah. this in my name. But other than that, go for it. And you know, like that is yeah. that's wild, especially when you like can you compare that to almost how much we training wheel or limit leaders in the church or up and coming leaders in the church is like, oh well, you don't know specific uh, doctrines or theologies yet. You don't know these types of tenets yet, so we can't deploy you yet. When I mean in all reality, the disciples, like, yeah, they were literate just because they were Jews, but they were fishermen. So it's like their, yeah. their credentials were limited. And I think that that's even a kind way of putting it. Right. <laughs> and, and it's something yeah. where it's like, Jesus was so comfortable just in his own sake of being like, I got you. I, I, I know you can do this. I, I have prepared you enough for you to be able to walk out in faith and do this. So go and do it. I guess I yeah. actually kind of conflate a uh, sort of sacrifice and giving someone the space to fail because part of what you're sacrificing is control. Oh yeah. And as human beings, that's really hard for us to do. And so, I mean, that's not every aspect of sacrifice, but I definitely think that you're you're right in that one of the hardest components, in your opinion, the hardest component is giving people the space to fail. 
Yeah. So, you know, being, so taking this back to the workplace, you know, being in as a say middle management, so you're a leader, but you're not the leader. So you're kind of in the middle. You've got people under you and you've got people over you. So if I empower someone to be a leader under me and they fail, then, and, but I have ambitions to, to go higher. Somebody under me fails. I'm responsible. All of a sudden now, did I just hurt my career growth? Or let's say they just, they excel. They just knock it out of the park. And all of a sudden they're promoted and I'm not because they're stellar and, you know, they're doing something amazing and I'm still stuck where I'm at. Right. So you have, you know, it, like you said, you, you have this, you deal with your ego and it's, it's a tough spot to be in. And if you're, if you're going to trust God that he's got your back and yes, you know, ambition's fine. I'm, I'm all for it. I have ambitions of my own. I don't care how old I am. But, you know, you still have that, you know, that's that fear, that's that ego, just like you were talking about. But I'm going to still choose to act like Christ, give this young man an opportunity, let him, if he makes mistakes, we work through it, we deal with it, we move on. If he does something amazing, I want the whole world to see what he's done because he's doing an amazing job. And then I'm going to keep doing my job the best of my ability if if the opportunity for me comes to move up then I move up, if not, then I'll see what else is out there. But it's, it's a, it's a tough spot, honestly, you know, as a leader, it's one of the toughest things you do. Yeah. And then, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw something else out there. Cause I, I don't want to go, I don't want to get off today without throwing this one out. And, and that is, you know, as a leader, one of the things, especially when you're young and you uh, know that, man, I just, I know this is, something God's put on my heart. I know that this is a dream that God's given me and and I'm gonna go back to Joseph and you know, I know the story of Joseph has been preached ten ways from Sunday, it seems like, or maybe a thousand, who knows? But uh one of the things, you know, we all know that Joseph was sold as a slave. You know, he had the dream, his his brothers, his mother and his father, they're all gonna bow down to him. And he has this dream and he, you know, dummy, young, young, dumb and stupid, like I said before. He opens his big mouth and tells his friend, hey, what do you think about this? Well, what do you think they're going to think? He's the, that's like Christian telling his brothers and sisters, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna be your boss one day. They're going to like, oh, crap, I'm going to whoop you. Right. <laughs> Especially if you were 12 years old and said that. Then they really would have beat up on you. That was God holding but them then, accountable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then, you know, you know the story. He's sold into slavery to Ishmaelites, no less, which is an interesting part of that story, but uh, something for another day. Uh, and then he gets sold to Potiphar, which you know that. And then Potiphar's wife thinks he's a hottie, and then he, you know, he tries to be right and do the right thing, and she has him thrown in prison. And then he's in prison for a certain period of time. So all this time, that dream is still real. That dream is still out there. That leadership in him is still there. He knows he's going to do this. He knows this is going to come about. And it and it does. We know that. But there's one part of that story I want to throw out there, and that is all of this difficulty that Joseph went through refined his ability. So as a leader, all the difficulties that you face, it's just going to refine your abilities if you let it. And to be quite frank about it, uh, because we know that this is, you know, God used it for his good. We know that in, in this situation, um, Joseph went through all of this 
We know that he goes back to Pharaoh, interprets a dream for Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, great, you're the perfect man for the job. And most of us would look at that and say, man, Joseph's dream came to pass. No. <laughs> what that did was set Joseph up for success. And as so, so look at it this way. So it's as if all of a sudden Joe, Joseph gets his dream job. He's the IRS. And they've got the, the most prosperous years they've ever had. Seven years of the fantastic stuff. And Joseph has to take 30% every year. Would that be your dream job? <laughs> You'd have to have pretty stuff skin to put up with the crap you're going through for, you know, people having bumper crops that like they never had. It'd be, you know, like you got your dream job. You're making $250,000 a year and the IRS comes in and takes 80000 of it. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah, so you, you see where I'm going with that one? <laughs> Taxation is theft. So, yes, I agree. <laughs> so does, you know, so had Joseph not been through all of that stuff that just kept hammering away at him, refining him and making him tougher, could he have handled that type of responsibility and hatred? Because you know he had to be the most hated man in Egypt until the seven bad years came along. But he had to get through the seven good first. Yeah. Yeah, that's cer- I mean, that's definitely – I had never really considered that. I mean, that's really true, though. Um, I mean – you best years of your life and then the person who's being prudent and has been empowered by essentially, you know, the king, um, is coming in and saying, No, we're just gonna take that just so we can be more prepared and be like, Well, who are you? Right? But I like I I like even how that plays on to bring it back to, to Jesus and even off of what you were saying, um, just being in any space of management. Um these two words have been kind of ringing in my head and they almost they play off of each other because it kind of goes back to what you were saying in the beginning as far as accepting that um, so much of stuff you have influence over is not yours, right? Yeah. Excuse me. So it's like at that space of stewardship, absolutely, right? Being, being cognizant enough to say, okay, is this, um, is this something that I can multiply? Is this something that uh, I need to be aware of my own limitations as far as, you know, how much dominion do I have over this, you know, is am I really giving God the glory and credit of what this is? And then like even this other space of all the other examples you've given is, you know, humility, right? Like this, the, the space of um, like, how are you humbling yourself before, you know, your, your position, your station, you know, how are you, you know, allowing yourself to get out of your own way and see these up and coming leaders you know, these younger men or whoever that can have an opportunity to step into a space where it might be better for them, but it also might be a better for everyone else around them as well. And really that requires just a space of saying, you know what, it's, it, it's not, it's not about me. Yeah, they're on my team, but it's, it's not me. Yeah, that's a good point. So one big responsibility of a leader is developing others um can you do you have any tips for developing others and then what would you say would be the toughest component about developing others so i guess the biggest thing is developing others your your first responsibility is to recognize what they what they have that maybe even they don't see uh you know like uh, the young man i mentioned that works for me now um, 
he wasn't a team lead when I got here. We were thrown into a mess. Uh, they were they were in that mess before me, but um, I I recognized that he had he had potential. He had that leadership leadership skills and just needed an opportunity. And I gave him the opportunity, uh, even even making room for that opportunity. Uh, to be honest with you. So, you know, first thing I think in developing others is, is looking for, um, looking to see what skills your people have, all of them. Getting to know your people well enough that I can see this person's good at this, that person's good at that. Um, and, to, you know, just to be quite honest with you, I, and, and this is my opinion, and I know there's whole nature versus nurture thing or whatever, but leaders are not born. Um, leaders are made and sometimes they're made by choice. You know, they develop those skills. Uh, sometimes they're made because they're thrust into situations, um, but they're not born. So you, you look for people that have skills that are, uh, conducive to, to leadership and then begin to work on those and begin to explore them. Um, so that's a big one for developing others as, as far as a, a tip goes. And that's just, like you, like we talked about at the beginning, being that, being aware, being self-aware, but also being aware of others and and what they bring to the table. So, you know, to me, that is that is a big part of that Christ-like behavior as well, because of being just looking at someone as a person, as a whole, and what do they have to offer. Um, let's see. I guess another one would be, and and Derek, you'll you'll understand this too, and and that is, you know, people have baggage. Mm-hmm. And and in, in in our day and age, you know, thankfully, in the, in the church, not so long ago, uh, mental illness was a taboo, you know, and they uh, usually it was, yeah, just you know, you're you're lazy or you're not trying or whatever it might be. But we, you know, thankfully, we we're, that's the dark ages, if you will. <laughs> but we recognize that uh, there is mental illness is real, uh, and it is uh, it is. It is there, uh, but yet uh, someone who may have certain mental illnesses and, and specifically like um, uh, uh, anxiety uh, or uh, social anxiety, maybe their social skills are not the greatest, but they're amazing at something else. And being able to look past that or even look with that and realize, you know, this person would be great at this job if I took the extra time and effort to help them with this part uh you know help them those make some accommodation for their you know for whatever difficulties they might face it may not be mental illness it may be something else but you know there's we deal with those things on a regular basis Uh, everybody has their own quirks and stuff and as a leader recognizing their value outside of their baggage or their difficulties and and being able to make that call to say this person adds more value than what their what what their difficulties may take away, and I need to see that. I need to promote it. I need to make something happen for them. And that's a tough one. It's that's not an easy thing to do, but it is vital because we're missing out on a huge part of our uh, workforce, if you will, whether it's in the church or in the in the in the business in the in the marketplace. Uh, those are those are huge to me. Um, and then, you know, I think you asked me the difficulty, right, mm-hmm. in developing others. Yes. Uh, 
that's a that's a big one. That's a, you know it it is a two-edged sword. So what you what you find as man, these are awesome. These are great. You're still dealing with people. At the end of the day, everybody that you got on your team is a human being. And you know if you have kids of your own, you realize, yeah, my kids are awesome. Yeah, they are until they throw a rock through the window or <laughs> <laughs> kick the dog or, you know, shove their brother off the porch and lock the door behind them. For our audience, like none of those were memes. Just just getting <laughs> it out there. <laughs> so, but, you know, you're, you're dealing with human beings. And so no matter, you know, they might, they might be great. They might be perfect. Like, just like I am, you know, I'm perfect. No, you know, they're, they're, they have great abilities and a lot to offer. And yet at the end of the day, we are all human beings and we are going to screw up. Just no two ways about it. We're going to make mistakes. And as a leader, your job is to plan ahead. Right. (laughs) Be prepared. Well, see, that's the part of developing leaders that I think might be the toughest because in some sense, this is also a two-edged sword, but that's because there's two different positions here. So basically, in reference to Job 38, you have someone holding someone else accountable, and you have that person being held accountable, accepting the accountability. And it, for human beings, I think it's hard uh, to hold someone accountable lovingly. And I think as someone who's being held accountable, it's hard to accept that accountability and that responsibility which even in home life, like we see in Genesis, one of the curse curses that's put on women is that they'll always vie for the man's position as the the headship of the house, but she'll never actually get it. Whereas the men, they're very quick to want to give that responsibility away because when you know if God told us to gird up our loins, we'd poop in them first and then gird them up. <laughs> we'd be kind of scared. <laughs> I'd be terrified. Uh, so I think that that, to me, in terms of developing other leaders, it's teaching them to learn how to d- to accept responsibility and accountability and also teaching them, via example, holding them accountable with, with love in your heart and not just being a tyrant that's demanding them to do things and telling them to do things and expecting no backtalk, no resistance at all. Um, those are the aspects of of developing other leaders that I actually think is the toughest, but um, it makes sense what yeah, what so, you're saying. So back to so just going, jumping back real quick to that story about Job and why I like that scripture so much. Um, if you look at the story of Job, so you know, of course, uh, which is kind of what brought me back to the very beginning of you don't own them. You're talking about your family. You don't own your family. You don't own your kids. And you, you don't own their choices, especially when they're an adult. So, you know, his kids weren't always in the best place. And, uh, you know, all the stuff that he owned, he didn't own because, you know, it all got taken away. Um, and, you know, he, he lost pretty much everything. And not only did he lose pretty much everything, but then he had boils. And, you know, he's miserable because he doesn't feel good and his skin is burning and all of this stuff. And so, you know... It, and it, it makes another good point as a leader is be careful how you judge because, you know, all of these, these three friends, they kept telling him, you must have done something wrong. You, you, you had to have done something wrong for all this to happen. And Job's re- continuous response is, I did nothing wrong. I don't know why all this happened. 
I can't, you know, I, I did this right. And I did this right. And I, I'm not going to curse God because I didn't do anything wrong. And they're like, well, you had to have heard this stuff wouldn't have happened to you, which we all know is not true. So you go, you rock on all through all these chapters and all these friends of his there and his wife even trying to tell him, look, dude, just curse God and die because you did something bad. You know, this all this stuff wouldn't have happened to you if you'd done something, you know, done things right. You had to have done something wrong. And so then you get the one young friend and he's like, you know, I, I, I'm the youngest and maybe I'm not as smart as you guys, but it seems like we're missing the point here. And so as soon as he starts talking, then God comes on the scene and he tells Job, put your pants on like a man and let's talk. So where were you when I created the ocean? Where were you when I did gravity? Where were you when I did the whales? And all of that conversation with God comes down to, I'm God and you're not. And so Job, he finally gets it. He finally says it had nothing to do with whether he did right or he did wrong. What he forgot was God's God. I'm not. I need to be looking to him for help. And so Job, in the end, he says, you're right. You're God and I'm not. I'm sorry to turn to you to begin with. And instantly God says, yep, that's all I was waiting on. You're good. I'm going to give you back double now. Now and then he turns to the guys that were tell, saying, telling him he should curse God, and says, he tells them, he says, "You better have Job pray for you because otherwise I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> so that's one of the big reasons about you know God looks at us and He doesn't see a bunch of bunch of babies walk crawling around this earth without you know barely being able to pull our diaper down to go to the bathroom. He looks at us as men. He looks at us as people that were designed by him, that have his nature in us, that we are supernatural beings and we are here to, to have dominion on the earth, just like he told us way back in the beginning, that was never taken away. And at the end of the day, when we screw up back, you know, or even if we don't screw up and bad things happen, God's God, I'm not, I need to keep my eyes on him, not on whether I did something right or wrong. And he's instant, quick to forgive, the Bible tells us. So as leaders, we've got to keep that in mind. That's a big one because we're going to mess up. Our people are going to mess up. Things might go haywire, whether we, you know, even given our best efforts, things might go crazy. Where are we keeping our eyes? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, where we come to the end of our road. Uh, Dad, Dale. Thanks, uh, thanks for having on, sharing, sharing with us your wisdom there. Words well spoken. Agreed. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity, bud. No problem. Anytime. Next time we'll explore the kinesiology of girding up your loins. We'll teach you how to do it. We'll show you the knots. And bring a couple extra pairs of pants. Underwear preferably. Yeah. <laughs>